listening to a podcast by Real Church and Pastor Noah Fritchie in Murfreesboro, Illinois. I want to thank you for joining us today, and I hope this message inspires you and builds your faith. Enjoy, and God bless. I'm continuing this series. There's two weeks left of this series, uh, but today we are really dealing with that topic of anger, and I think every single one of us, we all struggle with anger. Let me, let me just say it this way. that we're not, I'm not just going to be talking about the person that we all know is angry. We all know people who are angry. Uh, maybe it's somebody that you live with, or maybe, uh, maybe you know of a person that you're like, man, I really wish they were here. I want them to hear this message. Like You probably might be sending the link to the podcast. Uh, that after the service today to like, hey, you really need to listen to that. That's fine and dandy. But here's what I want, uh, here's what I want us to realize is that every single one of us, whether you want to admit it or not, we all have frustration and anger that is built up on the inside of us. In fact, I brought some statistics to you this morning because um, I, these are, they, they might startle you a little bit. They might not. Uh, but this, these are just some of the facts that uh, here's, here's one statistic. It says that 60% of murders happen over an angry argument. Isn't that crazy to think about that and one angry argument can tip somebody over the edge to do something unthinkable? Here's another statistic that you need to know that 4 million women will be physically abused by their angry husbands this year. Just because people are angry. We've got some angry people. In fact, there's another statistic that says 10 million children will be abused by their angry parents this year. Sad world that we live in. In fact, Psychology Today a few years ago said, uh, literally called us the age of rage. Meaning that we've just got something built up on the inside of us, that if we just, if, if we could just, if we could just deal with it, if we could just, and, and here's what I really think, that if we could just learn how to deal with it today, I, I think you're going to find out that it's not only going to solve your anger issues, but I think it could solve a lot of different things in your life too. The principle that I'm going to bring to you today, not is only, it's not only going to solve anger in your life, but I, th- I really do believe that it can solve a lot of different things that so many of us are frustrated with, some things that are really built up on the inside of us. In fact, the Bible says that the stuff that you're trying to change right now in your life, like those outwardly things, uh, the, they're really not the problem for your anger. They're really not the problem. Problem. They're really not the, the, the true problem. The Bible always talks about that there's something bigger. There's a deeper issue on the inside of you. There's a heart issue that we've got to get to, that we've got to change, that if that can get fixed, then we can see your anger leave. If that can get fixed, we've said this every week, if that can get fixed, your addiction can leave. If that can get fixed, uh, your, your, your depression can leave. And so what I want to do today is I just want to show you a little bit about a little bit where uh, anger is talked about in the Bible. Um, several places where, uh, where the Bible talks about anger. First one is from Proverbs 29, 22. It says this, it says, an angry person starts fights. A hot tempered person commits all kinds of sin. Maybe you've been there. You understand that you're a hot tempered person and you've gotten yourself in a lot of trouble before. Proverbs 14, 17 says this. It says a quick tempered man does foolish things. Maybe you've been angry before and you've gotten yourself into something you really didn't want to get into and you've done some really foolish things out of your anger. You see, the Bible really is just saying that some of the activities that, uh, that show up on our resolution list year after year might actually be connected to some of the anger that's on the inside of you. The fact that you're doing foolish things, can I propose to you, you're doing foolish things because of the anger that is built up 
on the inside of you. In fact, I think James 1 verse 20 really gives us the bottom line to anger. He, he says this, he says, man's anger does not bring about the righteous life that God desires. If you're in this room today, if you're watching online today and you say, I'm, I'm, I want to live a right life, I can't figure out why I'm not living that righteous life, can I propose to you that it might be because you're a little angry? It might be because you're a little frustrated. It might be because you've got some stuff built up on the inside of you, deep down on the inside of you. It's that anger that's built up. Which can I just propose this to you today too, that every single one of us wants a righteous life. Like, isn't that what we desire? We just want to live the right way. We're all looking for it in different ways. But really deep down, we just want to live a righteous life. In fact, I'm just really convinced that New Year's resolutions are just a list of how to, how to live righteously, right? They're just, how to, they're just a list of how do we make our life right? How do we fix our life? That's really what resolutions are. You see, the Bible says that anger is connected to the fact that our lives are not as righteous as we desire. The reason that you're angry is because you're not, you, 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 don't, you know that there's a different life out there for you. You know, that, you know that God has a better plan and purpose for you, but you're not living that. And so it frustrates you and it makes you angry. And so I would say that whether you're here today and maybe you identify as the type that like you're, you, well, let me just, let me say this first. We all know the people who are outwardly angry, right? We know the people in our life who just show their frustration and, they, and you just know when they're angry, right? But we're also, I also want to talk to the people in this room today that are just inwardly angry. The people who bottle it all up. The people who just, it, it, it's there on the inside of them. And so we're going to talk to both people today in really how to deal with that. In order to set up today, I think the best way we can, um, I, I think what, what's going to help is if I can help you see how the world, show, the world shows us how to deal with our anger. And if we follow the world's way, we don't handle our anger properly. And I think that's why so many of us, we're, we're in such a bind when it comes to this topic. And so today, what I'm going to give you is I'm going to give you three ways that I think the world and you, probably right now, are attempting to solve your anger issues. And they're really not working. Then they're probably never going to work, by the way. So I'm going to give you three ways the world shows you, and then I'm going to give you God's way, which I believe is the way that you can really solve some anger issues. But here's what I know. Three things that the world gives us. Usually when we get angry, <laughs> here's what we do. We just want to get my way. When I'm angry, I just want my way. I want what I want when I want it. We, we all have that mentality. Every single one of us, to some extent, have that mentality where we just want it my way. Usually that's the, the reason that we're angry. You see, we have something that we get mad about, and then we go on this quest of, how do I get this my way? How can I fix this? And I think, <laughs> let me just say this, I think men in particular uh, are the ones who most have this type of personality. I think men are the ones that say that, that think like as, as a man, you just think, you know what? I'm bigger. I'm badder. I can do it myself. I want it my way. Like I can handle this. Maybe that's, maybe that's the, your relationship in your household right now. It's, it's, I, I, I'm the man of this household and I'm going to get things the way that I want it. And it, it's my way. You're, if you've ever heard somebody say, you're going to do what I say, that's, they're taking out their frustration in this way. They just want it their way, which by the way, a lot of people like this idea because they think it works. 
that they, 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 they force people to do it their way. And so they kind of get what they want. But can I just challenge you for a moment that that, that might work just for a, a little bit. It might work in a, in a situation, but it, it, it's not the solution. Because when you force people to do what you want them to do, yeah, you might have a little bit of happiness in your life, but can I tell you, they're building up some anger and frustration with you. They're not, they don't want to be around you anymore. Let me, in fact, let me just tell you how it plays out uh, it, just in my life. A little example. We're on our, way, uh, on, on our way on vacation. How many of you love the interstate? You just love to drive on the interstate. Nobody, right? You hate the, I hate the interstate. All I'm doing, okay, I have the cruise on, everybody. Like, I just got the cruise on. I'm going my speed. I'm in my lane. My, you get, you're picking up on this. Like, <laughs> I'm in my lane, going my speed, and I'm just cruising down the road. And some car comes right up on my tail and rides my tail for a little bit and then gets right, right around me and gets right in front of me and just cuts me off, right? And, I, and I'm frustrated. Some anger building up on the inside of me. And then I get, can I tell you, I get even more frustrated because remember, I got the cruise on. I'm going the same amount of speed the whole time. They get right in front of me and start going slower than I do. Can I tell you, I went around that car probably four or five times. I kid you not, we were going back and forth. And it was frustrating because it's like, why do you feel like you got to be in front of me and then go slower than me? I was angry. I was frustrated. And maybe you've had that same thing. Maybe you've said, you're like, somebody cut you off and you're like, not on my watch. Like, no, you don't. You're not doing this to me. And you, you, you might be the type, you spend the next like 10 miles trying to weave in and out and trying to catch them up and, and cut the, I, I hope to God that's not you. Uh, but, but yeah, I don't, there's people out there how do you like that? You know, and so it's, it's, it's our mentality. It's a mentality that we have. We just want it our way. We have this idea that I'm just going to win. I want to win. I, 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 I have to be the winner in this situation. And I think a lot of us think that we can resolve our anger by just doing that, by just getting my way, that I wouldn't be as angry. Pastor Noah, I wouldn't be as angry if everybody just did what I wanted them to do. Well, of course. Yeah, right. Yeah, yeah. Let's just fix the whole world. I, we'll talk about that in a minute. Uh, here's, here, here's the second thing. Uh, the second way I think is actually equally as bad as the first. Um, because people who just say, okay, I, I, you can just have it your way. Okay, I, 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 I just don't want to fight about it. I, I just, I, let, let's just be friends, right? Let, let, let's just, like, these are the people who will do anything to avoid conflict. These are the people that will, it's peace at every cost. It's, hey, let's just be friends. Like, those are the people who just roll over and just play dead in the situation. Like, I know that this situation hurt, but that's all right. Let's just, let's just get over it. And, uh, it. Can I tell you that this way doesn't work either? Because most of you who deal with frustration in this way, you don't actually deal with your frustration. You actually just tuck it in. And you're just, you're just bottling it up. And that doesn't solve anything. For you just to dismiss the problem altogether, it doesn't solve anything. In fact, if you're that way, you've probably had moments where you've just totally blown up at people. Like you, 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 you've pushed it in, uh, you, you've bottled it up for so long, and there just comes to a point where you just can't take it anymore, and you just explode. 
And I'm telling you that it's, it's, it's not a healthy situation. Eventually, if you are doing that, you will explode and it will not be pretty. And, and it, it's, it's not doing anything for you to just roll over and die and say, oh, what, 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 I just don't want any conflict. That's not helping the situation. But those, these are two things that the world teaches us. And I think this final thing is uh, really what I think a lot of people think is the solution. I think some people will teach this, this as the solution, but this is not really the solution. Going halfway with things really isn't the solution. This idea that, well, if I give in a little and you give in a little are the famous words, let's just compromise. Let's just, let, 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 if you just do a little here and I do a little here, then we can solve it. But the truth is, you're still not solving anything. You're still never really resolving the conflict that's in your heart. Now both of you have bad feelings towards each other, you and the other party, and you're never really resolving the thing that's within you. And so these are three ways the world wants to teach us. We all identify probably with one of these three things. And now I want to give you God's way. In fact, this was probably the funnest part of my message, everybody, because now we're going to dive into what I believe is two really radical thoughts from Scripture. In fact, there's a place in Scripture where I think most Christian believers will never, ever go. There's a lot of people who follow Christ that will never, ever live out this principle. And so this is a difficult message. In fact, I would say the same, I, that I struggle with this principle um, and I think what you're going to realize today in this message, that this message is for uh, the people, you, you got to put your big boy pants on everybody for this message, all right? Like this is a kind of a deep end of the pool uh, type of message. But honestly, uh, when I was thinking about this and studying for this, I really do believe that you're ready, church. I, I think you're ready. I think we have a group of believers who, who want the deep end. I think that you're ready to not have the same issue year after year after year. And so that's my prayer for you is that you would just be ready. Because honestly, when it comes to this topic in the Bible of anger, there's not a lot of teaching about it. Um, there's, there's just people just kind of shy away from this topic. Because it's one of the hardest things, I think, to really, if you, if you want to truly be over it, it's one of the hardest things to truly get over. Um, and so today, that's really what the message is. In fact, I would just say it this way to you uh, today, church, that today's message is not a message that you would preach if you're trying to like grow a church in number. Uh, that's not what I'm bringing to you today. This message today is just for those people who want to grow in their relationship with God. I mean, for those people who want to go deeper, who really want to experience some freedom, listen, as your pastor, I would rather make jokes. I would rather give you some encouraging scriptures and send you off to lunch, everybody, because I know that's what everybody's thinking about. But I, I feel this responsibility to help you grow. And this message, I would just say, is for you. And so in order for you to hear it, um, what I want to challenge you to do is I would just encourage you to hear this with fresh words this morning, uh, or with fresh ears this morning, really. Would you just open your heart and, and, and just allow God to speak to you this morning? Because we're going to isolate the issue and the cause of anger and frustration. And over the next few minutes, I, I, I would just ask that you would just don't give me any pushback yet. Because what I'm going to say is pretty radical. Um, what I'm going to say you're, you're, <laughs> is, is, is a tough solution to this problem. 
But just, I would just ask you just to consider what I'm saying. In fact, I think that if you're in here this morning, if you would just pray a little prayer at your seat to just say, you know what, God, if this is true in my life, would you help me change? Would you, would you help me be different? Would you, would, would you help me be new and, and, and to help me change my life? I, I think that if you've got that attitude today, you can really receive this and go home changed. And so today, with all that being said, um, we're going to look at two verses in the fourth chapter of James. Let me set up James for you just a minute. James is written by James, everybody. Pretty simple there. Um, but James is actually, uh, James is not the James that all of us think about. When we think about James, we, we, a lot of us think about the disciple James, uh, Jesus' disciple. That's not what it is. James is actually the brother of Jesus, James writes this book. James is not the full brother of Jesus. James is the half brother of Jesus because uh, Mary had Jesus, of course, but then Mary and Joseph later on had kids and that's all throughout the scripture. And so I just think it's interesting that this book is written by uh, the half brother of Jesus because I don't know if you know this or not, but the, the hardest people to convince of anything is your family, isn't it? Like, it's just like, if you're trying to like, if you're trying to convince anybody of anything, I think the hardest people is people in your family. Um, and I, so I think it's really interesting that James writes this book and James totally believes, like he is just convinced that Jesus is the son of God. Like, like James grew up with Jesus and James was there for all, like most of Jesus's life. And I think it's just, anyway, that's a side note. I just think it's so interesting that even James, like even James is convinced that Jesus is the son of God. But James asked this question, and this question, I think, is what gets us to really the root of all anger. James just asked the question, he says, okay, what causes it? Like, what causes anger? So let's take a look. James chapter 4, verse 1. He says, what causes fights and quarrels among you? What, what, what's, what's the issue? To which some of us, I think some of us, we would say, this is the easy part, right? Like, come on over to my house and let me show you that she's the problem, right? You know, like, it's not me. Like, I can isolate the issue. Let me, let me introduce you to my coworker, everybody. You know, like, I don't know what it is for you, but I, James, this is easy. I know what's causing the issue. We, we know what's causing the issue. That's the easy part. But I want you, what I want you to notice with me, just in these two verses here, James, he, uh, he, he redirects our thinking. And I think it's really interesting that when we try to solve something, um, it, James, James, is, James is just trying to, to show us something different. You'll see in just a minute. But what's also interesting is that when we try to solve something in our own life, we're really quick to blame anyone but ourselves. You ever notice that before? Like we're really quick to blame everyone but us. The reason that I'm angry is not because of me, it's because of them. We're really quick to blame them. In fact, uh, this verse goes on to say, here's what James says. He says, I, I know that you're blaming everybody else, but isn't the reason that you fight and quarrel all the time, don't they come from your desires that battle within you? Like James is just saying, like, you, you didn't realize it, but what's causing the anger, it's, it's not the traffic. <laughs> like, like, it's not the government. It's not the weather. It's not your spouse. It's not what they did. It's not how they offended you. It's not any of those things. No, it's, 
It's you. You're the problem. To which you might say, well, well Pastor Noah, you just, you just don't know what they did to me. You don't know the seriousness of my situation. You don't know, you don't know how bad they hurt me. But James says, there's a different cause for you being that way. So I'm not saying, I'm, I'm not saying that it didn't happen to you. Don't, don't let me, don't, don't read me wrong here. Because whatever happened to you, I, I, I totally understand. I'm not saying, I'm not, I'm not degrading what happened. I'm not degrading what they said or what they did. But the truth is, is that it's not the true cause of your anger and frustration. That James says, the cause is that you've got a war going on. You've got a battle going on on the inside of you. It's you. In fact, you know what? I, I, I discovered this this week, everybody. You know what I've discovered in life? I've discovered that with, with every, the common denominator of every fight that I've ever been involved with in my life, you know what it was? It was me. <laughs> like, listen, I was there for every fight and argument that I've ever had, right? Like, that, makes, that just makes a little bit of sense. Like, like that's, it, it, it's the truth. But we don't like to admit that. We don't like to think that. And so James knows that. So James, I think, defines anger for us. So he says, you, it's, it's your desires that are causing your anger. And then he says, here's why. It's because you want something, but you didn't get it. Isn't that the hard truth this morning? That the reason that you're angry is because you just wanted something that you didn't get. You thought you deserved something that you didn't get. You might, maybe it was you and you're just like, you know, I, I want some peace. Like I deserve some peace. Maybe you, maybe you spent a lot of money to have some peace at your home. Maybe you, maybe you finally bought a house and you're like, this house is going to be my, my peace house or whatever. I don't know what it is for you. And then, and then you try to go to sleep at night and then there's the dog barking all night long. And you're like, you know what? I deserve some peace. I wanted it and, 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 I, and I didn't get it. And that was for me. It was, it was my lane. I, 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 I'm, on, I'm on my road in my lane. I was in this lane first. He had no right to cut me off, right? Like I wanted something that I didn't get. Can I tell you the root cause of all anger is that is something that we thought that we deserved to have. That thing got violated. And as you see that, that, that might, that it's probably true in your life. And can I tell you, it's causing a lot of anger and frustration, but the problem with so many of us is, is that even though that's true in our life, we take a different route to deal with it. We decide that instead of, instead of dealing with ourselves, we want to deal with other people. Instead of dealing with the issues that we have on the inside, we'd rather deal with the person who we feel like violated our trust or, or violated us. And so we decide, you know what? They have to change. In order for me to be happy, they need to fix it. And you know, we, we say things, well, for, for my situation in, in, in the car, they need to move over. They need to get out of my lane. That's my lane. Or maybe your situation with the dog, like they need to get rid of their dog. This is my house. Like I got, I want some peace here. We, we want it our way. But the problem is you can't have it 
your way. So what do we do next? What do we do next? Well, the Bible says we do this. We, you, you, you kill and you covet. Here's, here's what James is saying. This is, how, this is how you're trying to take care of things. You're killing things. You're trying to take everybody else's stuff, but you cannot have what you want. You quarrel, you fight. You, you, you've got all these issues. Now, granted, I've never killed anyone, and I pray to God you never kill anybody, but haven't every one of us in our hearts killed somebody? Haven't we done that before? Haven't we, haven't we just, we, we, we've just thought, neg- can I tell you, if you're like me, when it comes to ang- anger and arguments, I, like, I, I go and like, even before I get, I know I'm going to get in the argument. And before I even get in the argument, I'm like rehearsing the one-liner that I'm going to say, you know what? I, just, I got the argument developed in my head. And if anything gets said, I want them to know that this is what, you know, this is what I'm angry at. And, and that's, I, I, I'm killing and covet, I, I kill people and covet people. And in my head. And sometimes that's where all of us are. And, 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 and sometimes you might, you might succeed in that way. Some of us, we actually succeed by intimidating people around us to do what we want them to do. But can I tell you that still hasn't solved the problem? Even when you just, even when they actually do what you want them to do, it still, it, it only works on the surface. And that's what James is trying to show us. James redirects us to more of an internal problem that we have. James is trying to show us that the real problem is that instead of going to the, first, instead of going to the person who frustrated you and forcing them to change, James says something that I know we're all going to be very happy with, and I know it's all really easy for us to do, so get ready. James says, instead of going and forcing everybody else to change, instead of bottling it up on the inside of you, instead of going 50-50, you know what James says? He says, you got to go to God with it. To which many of you are probably like, oh, man, that's kind of a little letdown. Uh, But here's what James says. He says, you do not have, because you do not ask God. To which you might be saying, are you kidding me? Like at the moment of my frustration and anger, James, you're telling me that I'm supposed to go to God and ask him what I should do. That's what he says. And that's where a lot of us are. And that's where a lot of us, including the one speaking to you today, has a hard time doing. That when I get angry, when I get frustrated, the last person I want to talk to is God about the reason that I'm angry and frustrated. You see, all of us have a hard time doing that very thing. In fact, I'm convinced that many of you would probably rather me bring a message to you today, maybe about resolving some conflict in your life and trying to make the people around you behave. And we could just all say a prayer together at the end and call it Christian and send you off to lunch. But that's That's not Christ's way when it comes to anger. You see, God's way is that anytime you have the potential for frustration and anxiety, anytime that anger takes place inside of you, we're supposed to go to God and let him do a work in us. In fact, I would say this is the root cause and this is really what God wants us to know is that when it comes to anger, it's not about them. It's not about what they did. Instead, it's about me. Now, I know that's a tough pill to swallow this morning. And not a lot of us want to realize that. 
And I, and I know it would be a lot more fun to give you solutions to how, how do we, how can I, <laughs> how can I help you make the people around you behave? But when I was thinking about this this week, think about how ridiculous it actually is for us to just expect everyone around us to behave. Like that's a pretty ridiculous ask for us. Like, like, like <laughs> my solution to my anger issues is if the world would just be a better place and if everybody would just live, laugh, and love. You know, like that, that's not the solution, everybody. Like isn't it, isn't it kind of ridiculous that a lot of us think that the solution to our happiness is for somebody else's behavior to become better? The solution to our happiness is for them to be better, or the solution for, to our happiness is for everybody at our work to be on the same page, or all of our family to be on. That's quite ridiculous. When I was thinking about this, I actually realized like how genius God is for doing this. Like, think about it. Isn't God actually wise when He says, "You know what? I can do a work inside of you, even if the world doesn't change. You can still have peace." Isn't that just isn't that just awesome? Like God says, even, even if the traffic doesn't get better, which by the way, it's not going to get better tomorrow, everybody. Like even, even if it, like it's going to rain again, everybody, even if the stock market has bad days, even if the people around you are going to be mean, even if you've got issues, like everything, all of that is going to still be the same. It's going to be there tomorrow. But God says, even in the middle of all that, I can still provide you the peace that you need in your heart. Isn't it great that you don't have to rely on everybody else around you to change? I think it's just genius of God. And here's what I just put in my notes is that we, we keep wanting to change our circumstances, but God keeps wanting to change us. We, we want to change the people around us, but God is more interested in changing us. And so I would say that it just takes real guts and it takes real spiritual maturity for you as a Christ follower to do these things. For you as a Christ follower to realize that maybe my anger issue is not with them or, 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 what, or that situation or whatever it is. No, maybe it's with me. In fact, I put a prayer in your notes and I would just dare you to pray it. And I'm telling you, you pray, you pray, you pray prayers like this and you mean it. This is a difficult prayer to pray. To say these words, search me, O oh God, and know my heart. Can I tell you there's some days that I don't want God to know my heart. <laughs> I'm scared if God does know my heart. But I'm convinced you, you need to do this. You need to wake up and you need to say, search me, O oh God. Know my heart. Test me and know my anxious thoughts. See if there is any offensive way in me. And lead me to the way of everlasting. Can I just challenge you? If you want real life change in this area, you need to do this. Listen, if it, was, if it would have been easy for you to fix, you would have done it already, right? <laughs> like, like if this would have been an easy issue, wouldn't you have just done it by now? But I'm telling you, it takes a bold person. It takes a person who says, you know what? That's enough. I don't want to be angry anymore. I'm not going to live this way any longer. I want God to do a work on the inside of me. I, I, I Listen, I, and I, I truly do believe. I think, I believe that I'm talking to a group of people that believe that. I think you're a group of people who says, yeah, I, I, I'm ready. I'm ready. I want to change. So let me give you the solution before we leave. I, I, I want to show you a story. And then really three really quick points 
on how I believe that you can deal with this anger and frustration on the inside of you. Let me give this to you. In order, in order to do that, I just got to share this story uh, where actually one of Jesus's disciples gets angry at Jesus uh, for the very same reason that James really describes anger in our life. James says we get angry because we, we want something that we can't get. Well, that's really where one of Jesus's disciples were, was. One of Jesus's disciples, he wanted something, but he couldn't get it. And so the Bible literally says that he yells and rebukes Jesus. Like, think about this for a minute. Jesus, the son of God, like, wouldn't you, I'd be, I'd be scared to like strike down. Like, you know, like I, I, like I, anyway, this guy's bold and we get the anger and the frustration in this story that I'm about to show you. I want to set it up for you just a minute. Jesus, uh, as many of you know, Jesus, uh, scholars believe that Jesus was about 30 years old when he started his ministry. Um, and he spent about three years doing ministry, healing people, uh, teaching people, raising people from the dead. There were, he did all kinds of great things in, in the matter of about three years that we have recorded. And at about 33, that's when scholars believe that Jesus died on the cross for you. Well, this story happens probably about in Jesus's third year of ministry. Jesus is quite literally about to go to the cross and die and give his life for you. But the disciples are really confused. The disciples believe that Jesus was on this earth to be an earthly king. The disciples just thought that Jesus was coming down to establish uh, uh, this, this kingdom on earth. But Jesus here in this story is trying to explain to the disciples that, hey, I'm not going to be king on earth. I'm going to actually be king in heaven. It's somewhere way more important than where you are right now. And so this story happens just like right about as the disciples, the disciples are actually arguing with themselves because they still believe Jesus is going to be king on earth. They, they, they're arguing with themselves saying, well, okay, when Jesus is king, who's going to be his right hand man? Who's going to be his vice president? Who's going to be in his cabinet? You know, like they're trying to, they're picking the spots for themselves. They're arguing who's going to do what. And so the disciples are, they're at this point, they're arguing about where they're going to be in their place of government when Jesus takes over the world. And Jesus knew that they didn't understand. And so Jesus tries to explain to them, like, guys, this is not what's going to happen. In fact, that's where, that's where we pick up the story. Jesus is with his disciples. And it says, from that time on, Jesus began to explain to his disciples that he must go to Jerusalem and suffer many things at the hands of the elders, chief priests, and the teachers of the law, and that he must be killed. And on the third day, be raised to life. So Jesus is giving this, this whole plan. Like, hey, actually, guys, I'm not going to be king on earth. I'm going to have to die, and then I'm going to have to be raised back to life. That did not suit Peter's story. That's not what Peter wanted, remember? Like, that's, that's not, he, he had an idea of what he wanted from Jesus, and that's not what he wanted. So Peter took Jesus aside and began to rebuke him, saying, ha, Nuh-uh. <laughs> Jesus, you're not doing this. Never, Lord, he said. This is never going to happen to you. Like, I'm not going to let you die. Like, I know what I... <laughs> he said, no, this is not happening. And Jesus turned to Peter and probably said the most frightening words Peter ever heard. Get behind me, Satan. Maybe you've said that to some of your children or something, but I don't know. But, uh, <laughs> you're a stumbling block to me. You do not have in mind the things of God. You only have in mind the things of men. So here's Peter 
angry. He wants what he wants, and he's not going to get it, and Jesus tells him he's not going to get it. And then I think Jesus gives us one of the greatest solutions to anger. This verse goes on to say, Jesus said to his disciples, so then he turns and looks at the rest of them, and he says, you know what? If anyone would come after me, he must deny himself, and he must take up his cross and follow me which I believe therein lies the solution to our anger issues, which is a solution that I think very few believers ever live out, very few believers ever experience. You see, this is a teaching all throughout the Gospels. Jesus constantly is talking about taking up your cross and following me. It's a teaching that we see all throughout the, uh, the New Testament in fact, I'd say it like this, in order to solve your real problems, the solution is not just to solve the problem itself, but the solution is actually to allow God to do a work on the inside of you. You see, when you take up the cross and follow Jesus, you're allowing God to do a work on the inside of you. You see, I think, I think Jesus is just trying to tell us that we should, we should be asking God, not men, to change. Well, how do you do that? Well, Jesus says, in order to accomplish this, you have to deny yourself. And I think that for so many of us, that's where the pushback comes from, right? Because it's almost as if Jesus is just asking us to be this giant punching bag, right? Like, like we, we're not supposed to have any feeling, Jesus. Like, Jesus, you just want me to roll over and just get beat up all the time. But that's not what Jesus is saying here. Instead, Jesus is saying, in order for you to get real peace in the middle of a world that, quite honestly, will make you mad, everybody, right? I mean, in a world that is all messed up, you have to deny yourself and you have to take up your cross, to which cross means something totally different than it does to us in our culture. Because when we think of cross, we wear a cross necklace or we've got it tattooed somewhere or I don't know what it is for you, but you, 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 you've got this idea of a cross. But the cross, quite literally back in the day, was a symbol of torture and death and defeat. Like if you saw a cross, you knew that somebody had died. To which I think when Jesus would have said something like this, I think both Peter and probably the rest of Jesus' disciples probably went... Oh, I don't know if I want to follow you anymore, Jesus. Like when it comes to a cross, that's hard. Like, I don't think that I can have that type of commitment. Maybe some of you are the same when I read this scripture. And Jesus knew that. I think Jesus knew what the disciples were thinking. And I think that's why he throws out, he kind of throws a little carrot in front of us just to like keep us going, keep his disciples going. And Jesus essentially just says, hey, let me assure you that this is good for you. Because then he finishes this little passage off by saying, for whoever wants to save his life will lose it. But whoever loses his life for me will find it. To which we read that and it's like, that don't make any sense. That doesn't, it's not at all what the world tells us to do. It doesn't seem right, but it is right. And that's why so many people, so many Christians will never buy into this piece of scripture. But can I tell you, but those who do, they'll have real peace. They'll get over anger. I, I, I just, I promise you that. So for every person who maybe you've tried, you've tried your own way you've, you, and it hasn't worked out, I challenge you to try this. You will try what, Pastor Noah? We'll try this crucified life. And I just want to give you these three things before we leave. 
uh, to help you uh, really quick, to help you give these, to help you live this crucified life. Here's the first one is that you need to crucify yourself. You need to crucify yourself. And now most of you, 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 you somewhat understand this because if you're a Christ follower, you've probably done this once. There's probably been a moment in your life where you prayed a prayer, where you, where you said, uh, where you just gave your life to Jesus. You've crucified yourself. You, you, you've surrendered your life to Jesus. We've all had that moment where we realized we were bad at managing our own life and we gave Jesus our life. That's, that's what we did. Maybe you prayed a prayer in this room. Maybe you prayed it as a child, whatever it is. The problem is, is in the situation that most people have, and, and I think it's, it's, it's the reason that most Christ followers don't live this out, is that as they go throughout their life, they constantly... Although at one point they gave everything up, they're constantly picking it back up again. Let me give you this example. Say you surrendered at one point in your Christian life, you surrendered your finances to God. But then as you walk out your life, the rest of your life, you realize that, okay, it looks like that I can handle my finances now. So now all of a sudden I'm picking up my finances again because God, I think I can take care of that. At one point you were so desperate with your family that you're like, God, you're going to have to do something with these kids. I give my family to you. You, you. you dropped it at the feet of Jesus. You surrendered it. You crucified it. You crucified yourself. But then what happened? Then you picked it up again because then you realize you, later on in your Christian life, you're like, you know what? I can handle my kids now. I can handle my family now. And we go throughout our life and I think that's why so many Christians are on this earth. They find themselves living this miserable life because they, at one point they left everything at the feet of Jesus, but now they're going throughout their life picking it back up. Let me show you in Galatians chapter two that says this. It says, my old self has been crucified with Christ. It is no longer I who live, but Christ who lives within me. So I live in this earthly body by trusting in the son of God who loved me and gave himself for me. You see, the Bible is teaching us that if we go through the, if we, if we would just go through this process every day of bringing ourselves to God, you, you can actually experience some freedom. Well, you might say, well, pastor Noah, what does that look like? Here's what I believe a practical step to this would be is that every day when you start your, when you start your day, I would just pray a simple prayer that just says something like, you know what, God, I give you my life today. I surrender all that I have to you. I give it to you today. Maybe you quite literally just need to pray that salvation prayer that we pray every day, that we pray every weekend here at church. You just need to pray it again. You need to write it down and you just need to say, you know what, God, I surrender myself to you. Not because you're, you're afraid that you're not going to get into heaven. Not at all. Jesus has paid the price for that. He's done. He's done what he needs to do there. It's, it's finished there, but I, but really the reason to pray this is just so that you can start your day in humility. In fact, I think that's why Paul says this when, we, when it comes to a crucified self. He says, I die every day. <laughs> think about that for a minute. Think about this. I was thinking about this, and this might be a little silly to you, but I just, just bear with me. It's very difficult for a dead man to get angry. Think about it for a minute. Like you're dead people, don't get angry. Like if you go up and, and you say some choice words to a dead person, they're not going to rise up and punch you or anything. Like they don't have it. Like, and I hope they don't. That would be really crazy. Uh, but they, they, they don't because why? They're dead, right? You can say anything you want to a dead guy. They're still going to look the same. I give you that illustration because that's really what Paul gives us. He says, I die every day. Let me ask you this. What would it look like if you took that advice? What if you died every day? I tell you what would happen. You wouldn't be angry anymore. 
Because guess what? It doesn't matter what so-and-so says about you. It doesn't matter what they did to you. It doesn't matter how they talk about you anymore. Dead people can't get frustrated, everybody. And if you crucify yourself every day, if you say, God, I, I give my life to you, I, I surrender it all over to you, you can't get angry. Well, Noah, are you trying to make me some type of Christian pushover? No, no, that's not what, I'm just trying to help you find life and I'm trying to help you find the secret to peace. And that's why we die every day. Number two, crucify your flesh. You need to crucify your flesh. Let me explain this one to you. Um, because you see, even after you're a follower of Jesus, there's a part of your, of your nature that still wants sinful things. Even though I follow Jesus, everybody, I still have a desire for some sinful things in my life. Now, a lot of us who follow Jesus, it's not like huge, it's not everything in the world. Like we, we, we have some type of guide, but for a lot of us who follow Jesus, especially for an extended amount of time, you probably know the two or three, four, whatever it is for you, there's triggers that just set you off. That, that, that helps you, that, that, that pushes you to do sinful things. All of us have that thing. And, and you know what it is for you. I know what it is for me. But to crucify your flesh just simply means to find that thing, to isolate those things. In fact, let me show you in Galatians really quick, 524. Those who belong to Christ Jesus have nailed the passions and desires of their sinful nature, meaning they've identified what they struggle with. They know that they struggle with this person, that thing. They identify that thing. And then look what they do. Then they, then they, of their sinful nature, and they nail it to the cross and they crucify it there. And I'm just challenging you today. Well, you, what, what does that mean? You've got to identify those things in your life and you need to deal with those things in advance. Here's a practical example. Maybe, and maybe when you get up in the morning, you need to say, you know what, God, I pray for that person that annoys the crap out of me every single day. I forgive them in advance today. You need to nail that person, that thing on the cross in advance so that when it happens, you don't need to, you don't have to get angry, everybody. You, you've already got it taken care of. In fact, look at what Colossians 3 verse 5 says. It says, put to death, therefore, whatever belongs to your earthly nature. And the Bible says that if you do this, you're going to see some change on the inside of you. Here's another verse, Romans 6, 6 through 7. For we know that our old self was crucified with him so that the body of sin might be done away with, that we should no longer be slaves to sin because anyone who has died has been set free from their sin. You see, I know every single one of us, we'd rather solve the problem by dealing with it ourselves, by, by making the offending side obey us and do what we want them to do. But I promise you, if you learn this crucified life, it can literally change your life. Last thing here, I know I've kept you a little long. Number three, crucify the world. This just meaning to crucify the appetite and pleasure of the world around you. And many of us, we've experienced this. Because a lot of us, we're fasting from something right now in these 21 days. And what we're literally doing is we're taking away, we are crucifying something of the world right now. And the truth is, and that what many of us who are fasting from things, we've realized that we're, we're way more connected to the world than we like to admit sometimes. Can I challenge you? You're way more connected to the world than you think you are. In fact, I think we're all participating in the world and I, I meet a lot of Christian people who are, who are participating in the world and then they wonder why their life is all out of whack. 
They come to church on the weekend, but then they kind of do what they want during the week. And they're like, why, why, what's wrong? Why do I have all this worldly fruit? In fact, that's what Galatians says. Galatians actually defines what you're gonna get from the world. Galatians says that if, if you're gonna live in the world, the fruit of your life is gonna be things like anger, fits of rage and jealousy. That's what it literally says. That if you're living in the world, that's what you, you should expect to experience. But in that same passage of scripture, Galatians gives us the fruits of the spirit, which are things like, hey, if you're gonna live, if you're gonna live God's way, if you're gonna live the righteous way, he says that you're gonna experience love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness. He gives us this list. And I think, I just wonder how many of us how many of us are characterized by that first list? Or we're just angry all the time. We're jealous of everybody else. We go into these fits of rage all week long. I just wonder, are, 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 are you more angry and jealous than you are? Than, than, or do you, do you have any patience? I tell you, if you, you identify with one of those lists, you can find out where you are really quick. In fact, look at what Galatians says here. It says, as for me, may I never boast about anything except the cross of our Lord Jesus. Because of that cross, my interest in the world has been crucified. Guess what? My interest in worldly things because of Jesus has been crucified. I don't need it anymore. I don't want it anymore. In fact, it says, and the world's interest in me has also died. We need to get to a point. And just let me, let me say this to you. You're never going to have peace in your heart and soul. You're never gonna fix your anger issues if you think anything in this world is just worth adoring for a second. Because it's not. It's like, it, it, <laughs> I think there's a lot of Christians who pray a prayer like, I, God, I just wanna experience everything that you have to offer, but I can't put down Facebook. <laughs> like, like, that don't make any sense. Like, God, I want everything that you have to offer but I, 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 I'm not, I can't give up Netflix, all right? I, God, I want everything that you have to offer. But God, I, I can't help but watch TikToks and, and watch those girls shake their butts on TikToks. You know, I like, like, like God, I, God, I want you, but I can't give this thing up. Can I tell you, I, I promise you, if that's you, you're not gonna have the fruits of this, you're not gonna have the other list. Many of us were in here, God, I, I would love to have the peace. I'd love to have the joy. I'd love to have my life in control. But I would never do this, but that Bachelor show was kind of funny. You know, like, like, like that's a, a lot of us, that's like, I, I, and, and it's like, it's just, it's not that bad. It's not really that bad. And I, I, I in fact, I debated, <laughs> I debated on whether to say this to you today or not. I wrote this in my notes this morning. And uh, I, I, here's what I know. I know confession, confession is good for the soul, but it's bad for the reputation, everybody. So I'm, gonna, I'm just gonna confess this to you. You might think this is weird or whatever, but I just realized for me this week that there were just some things in my life that I just needed to discontinue. I give you the bachelor joke because that was one of them for me. <laughs> me and my wife were sitting there watching it and I, I, it, I, I just, there was just a check in my spirit. So where I, we were, we were literally watching it this week and they had to write erotic stories about what they would do in the bedroom with the bachelor. And I thought, okay, it's yes, it's funny. And, and yeah, it is what it is. But there was just something in me that's like, okay, this has just gone a little too far for me. And I'm not forcing that view on you. You do what you want to do. 
But I'm just saying, it's just something that God pointed out to me. And I just, and I just felt God just say, you know what, Noah, if you really want to be a new person, as, as much fun as it is to watch and, and to be a part of that, for the sake, I just felt like for the sake of my own change, God just said, are you willing to give it up? Are you willing to give that part of your life up? And I'm telling you, it might not be the bachelor for you, whatever, I, I don't know what it is for you. That's kind of a silly one for me. I'm just giving you practical examples. But can I tell you, there is something in your life that you're letting happen in your life at the expense of some real change in your life. And you're wondering, God, why can't I get over this? God, why can't I see any freedom? It's because you're, you, you, you've got that thing in your life that, that, is, that is costing you something. And can I tell you, you don't need me to tell you what it is. It's not my responsibility as a pastor to tell you what it is. Hallelujah, everybody. I don't, I, if you've ever been, if you've been to a church that'll call out your faults and tell you what you need to change, you better look somewhere else, everybody, because that is not the biblical role of a pastor. Uh, the biblical role of the pastor is to be your shepherd and to lead you. But the Holy Spirit is there to call out the things inside of you to lead you to some new thoughts. And the Holy Spirit, can I tell you, God will just check your heart in the moment and will say, you know what? This might not be the right thing for you. And I promise you, you pray that prayer we talked about earlier. Search me, oh God. Search me and know me. Help me find out why I'm acting this way, essentially. I tell you, if you got the guts to go there, you can have a great year. This will be the best year of your life, I believe. Here's 2 Corinthians 6, 17. Bible says, therefore, come out from the unbelievers, meaning you're supposed to be separate from them. Do something different and separate yourselves from them, says the Lord. He go, it goes on to say, don't touch their filthy things and I will welcome you and I will be your father and you will be my sons and daughters, says the Lord Almighty. Here's the challenge this week. If you want to find real life, to find life, you've got to lose it. You've got to crucify yourself. I die daily. I give myself to the Lord every day. Let's pray together. Father, today, Lord, we lift up every, every situation where we feel angry, where we feel frustrated. God, where we feel like we're not enough. God, instead of bottling it up on the inside, God, instead of forcing other people to change, God, this morning we say that as hard as it is sometimes, we give it to you. God, we surrender that thing to you. In fact, in your seat right now, would you just speak that thing out? God, I, we surrender that to you. God, I surrender my anger and frustration in every relationship. God, in my family, Lord, I surrender it to you. God, instead of, instead of doing all the worldly things, God, we recognize that you want to take care of us, that you love us. God, help us to battle our anger by crucifying ourselves to you. God, would you help us every day to not be offended by what the world says, not be offended by what they say, not be offended by what they do or whoever hurts us. Lord, let us just look to you. Let us crucify ourselves, Lord, as hard as it is. We give ourselves to you today. We surrender it all to you. We love you, Jesus. With your heads bowed, eyes closed. Maybe you're in this room today and you say you've never actually found life. Just like we said, to find life, you have to lose it. The Bible says that Jesus, he went to the cross to die for you, to save you so that you can be with him 
in heaven after this time on earth. The Bible says that if you believe that and you confess it with your mouth, you can be saved today. If that's you in this room, really quick, you don't have to say it loud, but if you would just whisper this to yourself, we're gonna pray a prayer today together. Would you just whisper this to yourself and mean it? And I promise you that God who did all those miraculous things, he'll come to live inside of you today and you can find life today because you lost it. Wherever you're at, just whisper this, just say, dear God, thank you for saving me. God, I love you. God, today I surrender myself to you. I give you all that I have. Everything within me cries out for you. God, I love you. Thank you for being with me. I'm asking you to be the Lord of my life. Thank you for saving me. Thank you for loving me. Would you tell him this this morning to say, I love you, God. I love you. I love you. In Jesus' name, everybody said, amen. Amen. Would you give it up for all the people who prayed that prayer this morning? Thank you for listening to The Real Church Podcast. If you would like to partner with us financially or you live in the Southern Illinois area and would like to attend our weekly gathering, you can check out realchurch.info.